Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shut my cake hole. And today we're going to be discussing the fifth episode of the third season of Supernatural, titled Bedtime Stories. Jamie, I am concerned about asking you what you thought. <laughs> this episode was just a lot, wasn't it? It was. Um, similar to last week's episode, yeah. uh, Sin City, I do have a slight disclaimer. Now, last week I mentioned that I didn't remember a lot about Sin City from my first watch through, and I thought maybe I'd been dozing off during my initial binge. Having watched Bedtime Stories, I... I, I, I think this is what has happened. I think what has happened is season three of the first five of the uh, series was my least favourite, mm-hmm. personally. Yeah. There are a lot of factors that go into that. But ultimately, that's it. Season three is my least favourite of the initial five ser- uh, seasons. I have a feeling that I started dozing off in Sin City and was fully asleep <laughs> for bedtime stories. Ironically, I think I slept through this episode because I do not remember it at, at fucking all. I've watched it three times, I think, since I saw you last week before recording so that I was like fully was able to discuss this to the sort of level that I usually do because I have no fucking memory. I remember the next episode. I did go back and over the last couple, like last week or two weeks since I realized that I was pretty sure I slept through part of Sin City. I've gone back and rewatched all of season three to make sure that I do in fact know what's coming (laughs) and I haven't missed any other episodes. And it is, it seems to be just these two. Okay. So <laughs> I I do apologize um if I if I have missed any other things. I had no recollection of this episode until I literally watched it a week ago. So you're meant to be the some... expert. That's a bit concerning. <laughs> I there are some things that I'm shocked I didn't know about. <laughs> okay. So let's ignore all of that to start with. I want to jump all the way to the very, very, very end of the episode okay, with Sam sure. and the Crossroads Demon. Yes, let's okay. deal with let's deal with overarching plot first, and then we come can back go to the to individual, individual episode. Yep. He shoots the demon that Dee made the demon deal with, and yes. so I have some logistics questions. Okay, please. absolutely, please. One: Do Crossroads demons possess people like normal demons? Um. Yes. Because where the fuck are they finding these people? Like, these crossroads are abandoned and they just show up. Okay, so I think that's more of a, um... So, yes, they are possessing people. Okay. My question is how they keep finding beautiful women in black cocktail dresses. But I think it's more of a, like, because they're being summoned, they don't have to be in the general vicinity of the crossroad itself. It's like they are being summoned to that particular crossroads by the burying of the box and, like, that ritual. But yes, it is. It's <laughs> the fact that they keep finding all these beautiful women just out and about in these like sexy black cocktail dresses is like, okay. <laughs> it's a choice mm. and a half. And moving on to slightly more plot relevant questions about that. Yes. She talks about her boss. Yes. How she doesn't hold any of the deals. She's just the, the saleswoman. In she's her just words. the saleswoman. Which, A, is it the same crossroads demon that's at all of these different ones? Because she's like, oh, your brother's visited me twice now. But yeah, I was going to assume that different crossroads had different demons, but maybe they have the same. I also picked up on that because to me, and again, having only recently watched this episode for the first time, I was always under the assumption that each, like there are multiple crossroads demons. They all report mm. back to the one big boss, boss right? I'm now wondering if, and I would go have to go back and check the locations that they're in over the episodes where they deal with mm. Crossroads Demons, but I'm wondering if it's, like, a location. Like, so maybe it's, like, okay, if someone summons a demon to a crossroad in this postcode, yeah. this is the demon that covers that area. Like, I'm wondering if maybe that's... And then, like, if they're already engaged with one deal, like, maybe it, like, goes to the next nearest. Mm. So, like, if you've got a postcode that ends in, like, 5 like- then, like, if that Crossroads Demon's already engaged, it'll just bounce to whoever's in 5-1 to, like, pull them across just for, like, to help out. <laughs> Or is it just sort of like um like they're like normal demons and they're just chilling, living their lives, doing whatever the hell they want to do. And then if they just happen to be the closest crossroads demon. Or the closest demon to a crossroad. Yeah. Yeah. When oh. someone get, and they just get like they're in the middle of having like a lovely dinner and they get yoinked. <laughs> so that was logistic question number two. I've yeah. got one more one more question. Mm-hmm. Is the boss Crowley? Okay. Because I've heard Crowley and I've heard Crossroad Demon and he doesn't fit the mould 
of ridiculously sexy women in black cocktail dresses. I mean, <laughs> um, it kind of he could if he wanted to. <laughs> it just seems like yeah. Okay, so Crowley. Funnily enough, I have a really warped perception of season three. I'm okay. finding out because for some reason I always assumed that Crowley was introduced in season three. This is not the case. I know because I've recently rewatched season three to make sure that I didn't fuck anything else up, and had to Google when does Crowley come in because yeah. I you know about Cass right yeah. so it's not really spoilery for you I always you cannot be on Tumblr without knowing about Cass exactly it's his website yeah so we're all just on it yeah exactly I always assumed that Crowley was introduced before Cass turns yeah. out I was the other way around Ca- okay. we get Cass before we get Crowley which is really interesting to me and like knowing the rest of the plot of season three they introduce a different demon and, like, that is the demon that the crossroads are referring oh, okay. to. Yeah. Crowley we don't hear from for a little while, although he does have dealings with crossroads demons. So uh, it's likely that you've seen something somewhere where you've gone yeah. crossroads and Crowley and, like, put the dots together but not quite the context. He is involved with crossroads demons and deals, but further down the track. And also, like, that's not who they were referring to. No. Because I thought Crowley was coming in soon as well. And I figured, oh, look, crossroads... The boss, maybe Crowley's going to be revealed to be the big boss. Yeah, and do you know what is really interesting is, and this is actually an interesting broader conversation that we probably can't get into too much now, but it's certainly something that we can discuss as we go through the series. They use he, him pronouns in this episode when they're referring to the demon Mm -hmm. who holds the contracts. Later in the season, the demon who holds the contracts goes by she, her. So We love a gender-fluid queen. So, you know, it's it's interesting. They're an icon. It's interesting when it comes to angels and demons and and the discussion of gender because they are beings possessing vessels and the way that their vessels present is not necessarily the way that they as beings present. It's, It's a very interesting topic that we will get more into as we go, but I just wanted to point it out because I was like, oh, they're using he pronouns very specifically. They use he because they're not giving a name. But then later we get a name and we also get she, her pronouns. Yep. So it's, and then those she, her, her pronouns stick around for the rest of that character's arc. And so whether it's just they hadn't decided, decided yet that they were going to make the boss a female. So they sort of went, he, they just kind of, yeah, exactly. By default, or they had plans and then they got changed because I also know that season three was plagued by a writer's strike. Yes. So maybe things had to change in regards to that character arc and that casting choice based on the writer's strike yeah who knows yeah mystery so anyway i just it's not like super plot relevant or anything but i just wanted to point it out because i think it was it's an interesting sort of intro to like a broader conversation that will keep going through the series as to demons and angels and gender and how they present their gender and their sexuality as well and also can we just say oh boy sam's making some bad choices here oh isn't he oh buddy (laughs) I love Sam, but it's like, sweetie baby, what are you doing? <laughs> Sam is normally very, like, rational and calm and competent and someone who really thinks through his actions before he does them. And then sometimes it's just like, mate, you're a dumb bitch. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Do you remember? You made a really interesting point. I can't remember if it was at the end of season one, the start of season two, or maybe if it was in our um, mid-season thoughts mm. episode. But you were talking about how, as a character, Sam is actually really volatile and more chaotic and harder yeah. to predict. And, yeah, this He's is a great example. He's got, like, this veneer of, like, calm rationality. Yeah. And then anything distresses him emotionally. Now that bitch is flying off the rails. It's literally, like, you know that thing about, like, the duck? And it's, yeah. like, on top of the duck is, like, la, 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 la. And underneath his feet are, like, yeah. I, I can't. You verbalize what I just did, but like you know, she like flapped her arms really fast, a bit like wings, but more like legs. It sure that's a good, that'll do. Use your imaginations, but yeah, send us like, an artist rendering of what we just did. It's a really interesting, and like when you were saying that, I was like, wow, this is actually a really interesting read on a character that you've only known for a season because it's pretty apt going yeah. forward. Whereas Dean is the exact opposite. Yeah, he his, seems his. What he presents is this one who's very, like, trigger-happy, very uh-huh. jump, very, like... But he, underneath it all, he, like, thinks everything through. He's quite rational. He's, like, 
He's very consistent yeah. as a character. Even when he's not being rational, it's a consistent irrationality. Yeah. Like, whereas Sam, Sam is just, like, fucking ping-ponging all over the joint. Yeah. 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 Sam is making some interesting choices. They're choices. Yes. It's probably the most apt way to describe them. I personally think they are bad choices. Maybe don't piss off the demons that own your brother's soul. Yeah, literally. It seems like a bad choice. Uh, might not be, might be. I think it definitely is, though. Mm-hmm. And also, I do want to talk a little bit more about a little bit of plot overarching things, because I watched the recap. I didn't skip it this week. Oh, I'm proud of you. Look at this growth. Look at this development. I meant to, and then I actually, they replayed the line where Azazel says about Sam, and how certain are you that what you brought back is Sam. Yeah. And the little combo with uh, Dean and Bobby about, like, Sam's normal. Yeah, he's normal. I think there's actually some clues in the way Azazel frames that. Oh, okay. Because I didn't remember the exact wording of that. Because yeah. I'm a normal human being and I don't remember <laughs> supernatural don't. quotes. Yeah. But hey! <laughs> I didn't say any names, so <laughs> that's on you. He says, how certain are you that what you brought back is 100% pure Sam? Yeah. Which I've been coming at it from the other angle. Okay. Which is, how certain are you that what you brought back is 100% of Sam? Ah. As in something was missing. The way it's framed, though, is implied that something else has attached itself to Sam. Well, maybe not attached. That's probably a bad way to frame it. But you think something's been added to Sam rather than removed. Yeah. Interesting. So maybe, I don't know, maybe he's got more demon blood now or something. Okay. Maybe his time dead amplified his demon blood, or maybe the demon deal has had some sort of impact so that he's now more demon than he was previously. I love the implication that the demonic like presence that he already kind of had because of the blood thing. Yeah. I love the concept that his death would amplify that and make him more demonic. And we're going to talk about that in season 10. Okay. So not, I've not specifically not something, specific, but not this season, not and not speci- not Sam, not this plot, line. not specifically Sam either. It's a, it's a different a different mm. character arcs that are going yeah. on in season ten, but that is particularly interesting. Yeah, as a concept, mm. because it does to an extent end up being upheld by canon, just not in this particular. Yeah, like not in the sense. way that I'm thinking of it. Yeah, it's it's interesting that yeah. It's funny because sometimes you say things and you make predictions and I'm like, oh, she's like a right on the money, but like not about this. <laughs> she's made like, the correct prediction. Give her, give her eight years or something and she'll, you know, so yeah, so that's really interesting. We will mm. talk about that as a concept. Yeah, because he started the quote and I actually re-listened to the quote because it's in the yeah. little recap bit and he does say like, how sure are you that it's 100% pure sand? Yeah. Uh, yeah, sort of changed my framework and maybe it's less, you know, he's missing his soul or some shit like that and more like, you know. Something's been amplified Something's or been amplified or added so that it's no longer just Sam. Yeah. It's no longer 100% Sam. It's 100% Sam and something. I guess the argument there also becomes was... Has he ever, beyond the first six months of his life, been 100% Sam? Exactly. Because you could probably argue Mm. no. Because from the six-month mark, he has had another influence physically within his body. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, that's very cool. Keep it in mind. And then we'll also discuss it in a different facet later down the track. Yeah. So while we're on the topic of Sam and the whole sort of demon blood, psychic plot bit... Did you have anything else you wanted to add before I sort of steer the conversation that was, a little bit? That was the only other like little, sort little of puzzle piece, puzzle thing. piece yeah. that I'm not certain about, but it certainly got me thinking and maybe look at it from a different angle. Okay. No, no, no. That's very cool. I it's another one of those things where like I never in a million years like thought about yeah. it under the different like concepts. So I think it's yeah. very cool that you have. That's very very fun. Keep it in mind. We will end up discussing this. A lot more. Um, <laughs> that is not reassuring. I don't want to. I don't want to give you. This is why I'm talking about like later seasons, and I'm like, yes, we will talk about this in later seasons. I don't want to give you any kind of sort of idea about right yeah. now, because obviously, like you're in it now, and yeah. I want you to sort of experience it now. Mm. And by the time we get to seasons ten, I'm pretty sure you'll be far enough removed that <laughs> it shouldn't. It shouldn't be like spoilery territory. Yeah. 
Anywho, while we are still in this very sort of last scene with Sam and the Crossroads demon, I want to talk about, and we've had this conversation a couple of times throughout the series where we have like a demon or some other sort of supernatural creature who is sort of telling the boys how they feel or like how they think like, mm. they're like, oh, you know, this, this, this. And the boys are like, that's not true. Like, shut up or whatever. Yeah. And uh, primarily we talked about it in Asylum with Dr. Ellicott possessing Sam. We yeah. talked about it in Skin with the shifter presenting as Dean. And there are a couple of other uh, yeah. instances as well. But those are probably the most notable that I can think of off the top of my head. And in this episode, we have the demon telling Sam how he feels about Dean and how he feels about Dean Steele. And I, it brings us back to the conversation that, again, we've had a couple of times, which is how much of it is true and how much of it is bullshit. And I will preface this by saying that I think the reason it works as a tactic is because it's not all bullshit. Because if it was, it wouldn't bother them so much. And that's why the beings use it. They use it against them because they know that these are the, you know, the buttons to push. And so I, with that in mind, I want to talk about what the demon says to Sam, which is, aren't you tired of cleaning up Dean's messes, of dealing with that broken psyche of his, tired of being bossed around like a snot-nosed little brother? You're here, you're going through the motions, but the truth is you'll be a tiny bit relieved when he's gone. No more desperate, sloppy, needy Dean. You can finally be free. It's a bit much. (laughs) I'm interested to see... Like, that's one hell of a monologue about a character who's not even fucking present to defend himself. I'm interested to see if you have any thoughts about that. No, not really. I don't. I think it was very much overkill. Because okay. I think, while there is probably some semblance of truth to it, yeah, I think the more rational part of Sam realises that, okay, yes, he cleans up some of Dean's messes, but Dean also cleans up his messes too. Yeah. Like, it's a two-way street. It's not just like, yeah. you know, Dean's going out getting drunk and starting bar fights every weekend and he's having to pull <laughs> him out of, like, bail him out of jail every week, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not, you know, Sam's life's on the straight and narrow and he's perfect all the time and yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think the reason that he shot her was because... She was saying all this bullshit and it was just making him mad. Mm. Because at the end of the day, he does actually love his brother. Like, oh, yeah. Here's don't the thing. get me wrong. And here's the thing. I don't know about you, but it's sort of like, I can talk shit about my sibling, but you yeah. can't fucking <laughs> talk shit about my sibling. Yeah, uh-huh. You know what I mean? So it's like, while he may think to himself, oh, you know, Dean's, you know, kind of shitty person. I don't really like when he does this, 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 mm. this, or this. But if somebody else fucking has the nerve to say that to me. Yeah. Okay, cool. I I wanted to talk to you about it because I 100% agree with you. I think that it is a case of, like, Sam does think these things, but you're right. It's a two-way street. Like, neither of them are perfect. And I think it sort of ties into their sort of this, like, yeah, this codependency that they have. They both need each other. Yeah. they both rely on each other. To sort of keep each other from going too far Either way. Because, okay, this episode was Dean keeping Sam in check for most of it, especially with regards to this last little bit with Crossroads Demon. Mm. Though he did ultimately fail to keep Sam in check with the Crossroads Demon. <laughs> but the shoe was 100% on the other foot on 204, Children's Shoe and Play With Dead Things. Dean was very much in his mourning his father stage yeah, and decided to... Uh, Threatened to murder the professor, I'm pretty sure, in that episode. Yeah. Despite the fact he was not the bad guy. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I just wanted to talk about it because it's a pretty, it's a very intense monologue. And it's very, um... Yeah, I think while there's some semblance of, like, truth there to, like, the way Sam sees it, I think Sam also acknowledges and realises that, like, he couldn't do it without Dean and Dean couldn't do it without him. Like, they both rely yeah. on each other. And also, like... I think just the demon talking shit about his family, like, really rubbed him the wrong way. I do also think it's interesting that they chose to describe Dean as desperate and needy. It's interesting that that's the terminology that they went with. Well, desperate and needy are typically words assigned to female characters. Yeah, yeah, feminine, exactly. That's I thought it was just an interesting choice. And while we are talking about Dean and Sam... Let's skip right back to the other end of the episode, the very beginning, and they're having the argument, and Sam gives a line, well, you're not dad. 
Oof. Oh boy. To be fair though, dad also wasn't dad. Yeah, literally. It's like... <laughs> literally. And also thank God that Dean is not dad, otherwise you would be fucking dead. Yeah. It's... I think that line is like... I don't know. It's like this kind of thing where I think Sam is calling out Dean's John-esque behaviour by being like, well, you're not dad. So like... And then the unspoken line goes, so stop acting like it. You know what I mean? Because like Dean's doing that whole thing where he's like, well, I'm making the decisions because I am instead of like, which is... And also he pulled the classic older sibling trick. Yeah, I'm older. Because I'm older. Yeah, exactly. Which is like a fucking bullshit reason. And Sam knows it. And Dean knows it. But he doesn't have any other like leg to stand on in this argument, basically. I don't think there's like a whole lot more to discuss on that. But I just wanted to like point it out because I thought it was kind of like a, a low blow, really on Sam's part to be like you're reminding me too much of dad right now like it's fair yeah but like it's also like that's kind of mean anyway okay uh, now we've gotten the important shit out of the way let's get to the minor details that I really don't focus <laughs> on so much let's talk about the first scene in the um house building yard thing when they're talking about the warped wood with the three little pig standings the three little pig standings yes. we will get to the fat phobia oh later. yeah but I want to talk about the way the blood splatter looks like someone got a bottle of, like, tomato sauce. And, so, <laughs> and like, some bread. Oh, no. I, okay. That, yeah. <laughs> so, this, this scene, I actually think the dialogue is very clever for the most part. I do hate the, you're a bunch of girls thing, because, like casual misogyny like for fuck's sake like this episode has all the phobias like i think it's like clever that they're doing the whole like oh like look at this wood like one strong gust of wind and the whole thing's gonna blow over it's like we should have used brick like i want it or whatever yeah and i did notice the only brother that survived was the one who hid behind the brick Mm. which i thought like i thought it was pretty clever i don't think without knowing the context of the episode and like why they're being targeted that way i don't think it's super obvious It's just a nice little detail that they threw in that you think about later and you're like, oh, that's like... Yeah, like, I thought it was actually quite good. Yeah. Um, Yeah, the actual matter with the uh, tomato sauce explosion is (laughs) one for Bob to clean up. I'm curious as to why they chose to have it actually be a human who's murdering these people. Like, I just, like... Because of the tattoo. Surely they could have... Yeah, like... Like, surely they could have just had it be, like, she was influencing, like, a wolf or something. Like, an actual... Like, an actual dog or something. Yeah. Yeah. Because, not so much of this first scene. This first scene, I think, is shot really nicely. Like, it works really well. You can't actually tell what the... Yeah. But the scene later on, when they're doing the Little Red Riding Hood... Yeah. And the wolf... It's just a dude with a wily coyote tattoo. It's just a dude with a wily coyote tattoo. And the way they shot the objectively horrific scene Mm. of him straight up murdering a grandma. In like a Woolies car park. In a Woolies car park (laughs) in the back of a van. Like, the way they shot that was a bad choice. I don't like the human but with a wolf tattoo thing. Like, I get it. I get it. But I'm also kind of like, what if there was no one who had a tattoo that just happened to have a fucking... It's not even a wolf, it's a coyote. Like... (laughs) His name is Wiley Coyote. It's not Wiley, Wiley Wolf. Wolf. <laughs> like brand Wiley Coyote. Man, if he'd just had a tattoo of the Roadrunner instead, we could have avoided all of these fucking deaths. Or fucking Tweety Bird. Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah, I didn't love it. I think this is another one of those episodes where the premise is actually really strong. Like, it's a really great concept. I just don't think the execution... Like, it just... It was, it's, it's lacking. Yeah. It's lacking. It almost, it feels like it's supposed to be a comedy at some yeah. points, and it's really confusing. Like, okay, the lady, the little old granny, who's, like, stabbing them to death or whatever, that scene I is, love like, that bit. Yeah, that. <laughs> it's, like, she looks like she's having the time of her fucking life, and she's, yeah. like, so daintily, like, stab, stab. That actress, <laughs> fantastic. It's so fucking funny. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like, but I love it. Like, that's that's the sort of dumb <laughs> shit that I love. Unfortunately, a lot of the dumb shit they do is not little old granny stabbing some people to death with the biggest grin on with her the biggest grin face. on her face. It's like the scene in the back of the van when the dude with the bloody coyote tattoo is meant to be the big bad wolf killing the grandma to get to the like, yeah. granddaughter. Like, I think potentially one of the most confusing parts of this episode is why. 
Dr. Garrison, who I do like. I think he's a good character and I feel bad for him. Mm. But why is he reading his fucking grown adult comatose daughter? Yeah. Fairy tales. Yeah. Like, fuck, man. Give her, like, Lord of the Rings or something. Like, And also, I understand not giving up hope. Mm. But, like, she was meant to be eight when she became comatose because her stepmother fed her bleach, which just... Yeah. Big yikes. Big yikes. But to move on from that... She was meant to be eight when she became comatose. Yeah. She now looks like she's like 24. She at least has to be like 18. You could maybe say like 16, 17, but there is like, that would be very, very, like you'd be reaching. I understand not giving up, but also as a doctor, that guy should know that after somebody is comatose for like more than like a couple of years, Mm. the chances of them waking up are a slim 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 chance and also the chances that when they wake up they'll even be able to survive are slim as well because the body hasn't been used properly yeah. in yeah so I, many years and there's all sorts of complications etc that can come so from that. you're imagining that like this girl has been in a coma for the last decade minimum at least yeah um, i was imagining more like 12 13 14 15 years yeah because she looks older than 18 like she looks like she's you know 22 23 24 yeah and i actually i did some googling before this because i was interested but so i was like do people who are in comas like still go through like puberty and stuff turns out they do so i was like oh okay like that's sure yeah but it does make me wonder why they chose to have her in a coma for so fucking long yeah like why didn't they just be like she's been in a coma for 18 months Mm. like that's a way more like reasonable that he would still be reading her bedtime mm. stories that she would still have like because i guess she would still have the mind of an eight-year-old that's yeah. the thing it would just be sort of trapped yeah. within the body of like an adult yeah it's it's interesting and also to I, me. I think the other thing is like with the the wife and that they wanted yeah. the wife to be dead but also they could have just had a that you know kelly which is the young girl in the coma's name yeah her being in the coma created a lot of issues because he wanted to be by his daughter's side he was never home he always wanted yeah like, and then they could have just had them split up or she could have killed her mm. because like that wouldn't be unreasonable given the premise of the show yeah to have like the vengeful spirit attack yeah. the person who created them in that way like that's mm. pretty par for course so actually it's interesting we don't find out how the stepmother died no we just know that she's dead yeah interesting i you didn't know that because you'd never watched this episode before. Yeah, I guess I, it's interesting the things that you realise when you're, you're brand new to media. But look, I can't say it's been particularly enlightening. <laughs> no, but like, I wonder if I wonder if Callie killed yeah. her. Is there a other but, than other than Snow White? Is there another? Oh my god! I just realised they went with Snow White. They could have gone with Sleeping Beauty. I think they went with Snow White because of the poisoning. Because of the poisoning. Because because Snow White. She eats the poisoned apple, which was given to her by her stepmother. Yeah, okay. Whereas Sleeping Beauty like is... the witch. I wonder... The, the reason I thought of Sleeping Beauty... And also I think the other reason is because of the black hair pale skin. I wonder, other than Snow White, is there another fairy tale where someone dies because of poisoning? Um, none, are, none are jumping to mind. But the reason... I, because I wonder, it wouldn't it have been some sort of poetic like justice... For the stepmother to also die from poisoning. Yeah. Um, or well, how does as stepmother... far as I know, it's not Callie who kills the stepmother. Because the reason Callie started killing recently is because the stepmother died. Oh. So that's what started her killing. The stepmother died and she never was held responsible for poisoning Callie. Oh. So that's what drove Callie's spirit insane. Okay, I didn't... Essentially, I didn't... because Callie was being held here... By her body being kept alive yeah. in the hospital. Yeah. And then the stepmother died without there being any retribution. Without being any retribution. And presumably the stepmother got to go on to the afterlife. I'm assuming not heaven. Yeah. <laughs> the stepmother still got to move on. Yeah. So okay. what gets me is how did she find such convenient people? Well, that was my thing about so, the guy with the tattoo. Like, what if there'd not been a dude with a fucking tattoo? Like, I don't know. I don't know, man. While we're talking about fairy tales, which yeah. look, a lot of this episode is going to be us talking about talking about fairy tales. Mm-hmm. How the fuck does Dean not know fairy tales? And he literally accuses Sam of being gay because he knows about Cinderella, Ooh. which the homophobia yeah. in that lot. Let's take a minute to fucking discuss this for a sec. So, 
The line we're talking about is when Sam is talking, he's saying, oh, like, you know, the story about Cinderella and, like, the pumpkin that turns into a coach and the mice that become horses. And Dean just, the look on his face, I don't even know how to describe it. He's kind of like, go watch the scene, because <laughs> I am not even going to try to Jack explain. Jack Joyce's. The Jack Dean Joyce's are confusing. Yeah. Anyway, he makes this fucking weird face, and he looks at Sam, and he says, dude, could you be more gay? It really goes to show how far what is considered acceptable in media has come since, like, 2007 to now. Because, holy shit, can you imagine someone trying to air that today? Never in a million years. It It's so blatant. Like, I, I don't really think we have to discuss it, really, because it's, it's pretty obvious in... Just the homophobia and where yeah. that stems from. Like, what the fuck? It's, it literally reminds me of, like, you know, I mean, we went to school, like, in primary school in like the early 2000s, mm. right? You know how, like, there was that whole thing where kids would be like, oh, that's gay? Mm. It literally is like that. It's like, oh, I don't like this thing. That's gay. Like, using it in as that, like, derogatory yeah. term. And, like, I don't think I've heard that language since primary school. Yeah. And kids who literally didn't know what they were talking about but were just parroting their parents. Mm. Like, yeah. The casual homophobia there was Shocking. I also think it's really interesting because I don't think I've ever seen a girl or woman ever refer to something as, like, oh, that's gay isn't a bad thing. Mm. It's always used by guys to dismiss things that are primarily... Feminine. Feminine or stuff that women enjoy. Yeah. Like, it's never... Which is, I think why they use it as a derogatory yeah yeah because they're it's it's in a way it's like, a way oh, wow, to so in, feminine, insinuate you know, fucking cinderella yeah like, it's like oh you you have feminine interests quote unquote mm. therefore you must be gay like and it's just the most infuriating fucking thing what gets me though is it's not even an inherently feminine interest no it's literally a fairy tale and here's the question that i have Okay, so Sam knows about fairy tales. Yep. Dean apparently fucking doesn't. But also, who the fuck do we think between Dean and John, who was reading Sam fairy tales? Well, here's the thing. I sort of <laughs> assumed it was neither of them, and Sam would just look into fairy tales because they are folklore. Essentially, fairy yeah. tales are folklore. They're just folklore being filtered through like yeah. three different lenses to make them into fairy tales. Yeah. And here's the thing, as a hunter, Sam has realised a lot of folklore yeah. is true. There is a reason there are so many stories about these sort of things. There's a reason that, you know, the themes of angels permeate so heavily through so many things. Yeah. There's a reason why there are so many stories about vampires. Yeah. There's a reason why there are so many stories about witches. And werewolves. So, like, they all stem from, from somewhere. So I was just sort of assuming... That that's why Sam knows about fairy tales because he's just because in his roots. research, he's come across fairy tales. Yeah, because they are based in folklore in most cases. They were fables. They were morality tales mm-hmm. to warn people against the dangers lurking the dangers in the dark. Lurking yeah, in exactly. the dark. Like, like if you think about it, like nowadays, you know, in general suburbia, you're more likely to. Okay, here's here's an example. So. If you're thinking back into, like, a couple hundred years ago, and you're living in, like, a small rural town, you're likely going to have, like, a big forest or a big lake or something nearby you. You're going to have stories to scare your kids away from those places where they could drown or be eaten by a bear or, like, you know, you're going to... Attacked by a wolf. Exactly. You're going to tell your kids things so they don't go near those dangerous places. The same way that now in classrooms, I swear to God... Whenever someone is swinging back on a chair, the teacher is always like, didn't you hear about that one kid who fell back and broke their neck and died? And everyone has heard this story. There is, look, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm so sure that that is not a thing. I am sure that is just something that the teachers told us so that we didn't swing back on our fucking chairs because every single teacher said the same damn thing. They, They must have done a course at uni on like how to stop kids from swinging on chairs because Everyone. A whole semester, just the like, literally dedicated tactics. to like, yeah, to like fairy tales to to spook kids into behaving like Santa. Yeah, you know, like if you're good and you behave, you get presents. 
Like, because Santa's always watching. Like, yeah. you know, spoiler alert if you didn't know about Santa, but, like, plot twist. Santa's not, not real. real. <laughs> Sorry for our eight-year-olds who are listening to us. Yeah, like Santa's. Specifically but, for that, not for the swearing like Santa's bit. That's just... Just for ruining Santa. Yeah. But anyway, but yeah, so like these things are still carried over. We still use stories yeah. to deter young children from doing either things that will put them in danger or to get them to behave. And yeah, fairy tales of like, you know, yonder are yeah. no different. And then within the supernatural universe, you could assume that fairy tales stem from... Actual. Warnings... Against supernatural things. Yeah. So, yeah, it makes total sense. It's actually, it makes less sense that Dean doesn't know yeah. about these fairy tales than it makes that Sam does. Because And it's very clear the only reason they made Dean not know about fairy tales was so they could make... Because the, that's not manly. <laughs> so they could make the homophobic joke. It's just the most ridiculous fucking thing. Like, they're so hell-bent on making Dean this macho fucking man who would never like any of that girly shit like Cinderella. Or Taylor Swift. Or Taylor Swift. Because they're just like, well, we need him to be manly. And it's... it's, But it again falls into this thing where like, here's the thing. It is a ridiculous thought that Dean has somehow never heard of fucking Snow White. Mm. Because even in this episode, he talks about Snow White only in the context of him knowing the porn version. Which is just... Like, for fucks, like, if you know the porn version, you have to know the four-year-old version. Like, come on. Anyway, so they're going so hard on him knowing yeah. nothing about this. And it kind of comes back to what we talked about before, where, like, whenever they're, like, someone clocks them as being not straight, and Dean has this, like, really aggressive, like, oh, I, like, how dare you? And Sam gives I'm 100% straight. And Sam doesn't give a single flying fuck because Sam is confident in who he is and his sexuality and his gender and all those things. And Dean is, like, so fucking insecure about all of these things about himself. And he puts up all these fucking walls and this big, like, macho, like... I don't fucking know who Cinderella is. And it's like, how? How? It's, it's, you can't grow up in, like, Western culture. Yeah. And not know Cinderella, Snow White, the three little, like, little pigs, Red Riding Hood, Goldilocks. Even if your parents didn't read you the stories as children. Yeah. Surely you've watched a fucking Disney movie in the last, like... Right? Exactly. And we know Dean's what Dean watches Disney. Do you know how we know? Because he likes Dory. From Finding Nemo. And we know... Technically, that's Pixar. Well... Which is now Disney, but... Look, it's all the same corporation <laughs> when you really dig deep. <laughs> look, it's just like it's just like Supernatural. You dig deep far enough into anything, you will find Supernatural. You dig deep into anything else, you'll find Disney. It's there. <laughs> it's there somehow. Anyway, we've spoken, spoken about this way too much. Point is, there is no fucking way that Dean doesn't know about fairy tales because either... Someone has told him one ever as a child. You make the excellent point about it actually being super relevant to them as hunters, understanding the original folklore of those stories. Yeah. And also, if Sam knows about them, like, the, the, the most likely reason that Sam would know about them is because he was told them as a child the same way most people growing up in Western cultures are taught them as children. Which means that it had to have been, like, Dean. If it wasn't Dean, it had to have been, like, Bobby or Pastor Jim or any of the other people who were also looking after Dean at the same fucking time. So it's, yeah, it's just silly. It's just silly. <sighs> Deep breaths. <laughs> okay, let's move on because that's just sort of vaguely enraging me. Let's move on to something I actually really like. <laughs> vaguely. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Which is, despite the fact I hate that they cast the dude with the coyote tattoo in Little Red Riding Hood as the big bad wolf. Yes. They literally cast Dean as the Huntsman. Yeah. <laughs> Which is excellent. Yeah. Which is a brilliant mm-hmm. choice, narratively speaking. Yeah. It's a shame that it comes off the back of, like, so much other crap. It's, again, it's like the dialogue from the three little, like, pig stand-ins at the start. Like, mm-hmm. it's very clever, and it's there if you are looking for, for it. it. But if you're not looking for it, you, it might just go over your head. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, I think it was a great little add-in. I think it's a great, like, narrative mm-hmm. choice. There's the scene the, right before it with the... There's the fat phobia the, the Yeah, right the before. fat phobia where he's like, oh yeah, like those three guys were a bit chubby. And it's like, what the fuck, man? I think this kind of comes down to, a lot of the time, some of the stuff that bothers me so much about Supernatural, when it comes to things like fat phobia, homophobia, sexism, 
all of these issues that are so prominent in the show, and we've covered this a couple of times as well, I think, is that if you just remove that one line, it changes nothing about yeah. the plot. It changes nothing about the like characterization. It just changes nothing. It just makes it less offensive to an entire group of people. It's just unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. And like they put it in there as like like it's supposed to be a joke, but it's never funny. Yeah. It just it leaves you with a sour taste in your mouth and it's so disappointing. It's like tall tales all over again. Yeah. And there's the um when when they're talking to the three little pig stand-ins, the, specifically yeah. the guy who spies them in the hospital, they pretend to be the sketch artist. Uh Kyle, I think his name is yeah. Kyle, yeah. Sam's pretending to be the sketch artist. <laughs> and uh I, the dude is 100% correct when he's like, "What? The, why the fuck are you asking me about his, like, fingernail? I was like, yeah, that is right. weird. He's like a but normal then, guy with normal eyes and normal fingernails. And normal teeth. Yeah. <laughs> and then Kyle, the guy yeah. who was describing his attacker, has literally told them jack shit at this point, other than he has a wily coyote tattoo in his arm. Yeah. And dark hair, I And think. dark hair. And he was white. And then he's like, oh, can I see it? of the description yeah. which would have been totally feasible and totally understandable at that point has actually done the fucking tiny little <laughs> sketch of this stick man with pointy teeth long nails and a fucking tattoo I just Sam <laughs> and then the guy asked to see it and instead of being like oh sorry like you know it's a I've work gotta, in progress I've like, got to finish it you know first and then bring it back to you I've got to finish a couple of sketches a couple of options or whatever yeah. he's like yeah sure you can look at this <laughs> Sam clearly didn't take any practical art courses at Stanford he may have taken art history yeah he certainly didn't take art 101 <laughs> and he's certainly drinking his dumb bitch juice this episode is like <laughs> they forgot the forget the respecting women juice no 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 today is the dumb bitch juice <laughs> speaking of shady decisions yeah I would like to present a variation on our traditional men are stupid and horny. Yep. And instead we're going to go a slightly different route. Men are stupid and hungry. Now, yeah. <laughs> I, what is happening with the, like, the reason I want to bring this up is we've already sort of talked about how, like, obviously it's the replication of Hansel and Gretel. They're lost in the woods. Yeah. The little old granny is having the time of her life stabbing, stabbing, stabbing them. Oh, I love the little old the granny. The little old granny is hilarious. I just want to very briefly come back to the scene. Because of the dramatic zoom to the pie. It's one of our first, like, real dramatic, dramatic zoom moments, which I've mentioned before are such a staple of Supernatural. So I just wanted to pay attention to it. I think it's hilarious. Okay, I also want to point out another of the ongoing conversations we've had, which is Sam yelling things in public. He's, like, chasing the doctor down the corridor and he's just yelling about his comatose daughter and how his wife is actually an attempted murderer and, like, all this fucking shit. And I'm like, Sam, there are people straight up walking past you right now. You probably shouldn't be yelling about this. You are in hospital. You probably get straight up escorted to the psych ward. Yes. Um, and number three on my things that have come up a couple of times that I noticed in this episode. Did you see that Dean closed a door when they went into someone's house. They they broke into the house, I yeah. think when they're looking for Cinderella. Yeah. And they do the whole thing where like they hear they're like help me or whatever. And Dean specifically closes the front door and I was like, there we go. One of the brothers knows how doors works. One oh, of them <laughs> It's an accomplishment. <laughs> Sam has never learnt how to operate a door efficiently. <laughs> but Dean has. So I'm really wondering why he hasn't passed that knowledge along. <laughs> Sam gets to remember fairy tales. Dean gets to remember how to open and close doors. Between the two of them, they're a, they're a complete Single team. functioning adult. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, also, in this house, plant goals. Did you notice all of the plants? I wish that was what my bedroom looked like. Like, they've just got plants fucking everywhere. I'm useless at keeping plants alive. I really am. Here's the thing. I like plants a lot. Mm. I don't like having a lot of plants inside because of dirt. I like plants. I don't like the dirt. I like dirt. I don't like dirt in my house. Mm. Anyway, point is, I liked their plants. I'm very jealous of their plants. I will say that I didn't really notice the plants. Oh, Jamie. It was <laughs> what I was focusing on in that scene. Uh, yeah, you were focusing on what you were supposed to focus on, and I was focusing on the silly thing in the background. Oh, how the tables are <laughs> How the tables are tables. tables. <laughs> I will say 
the Cinderella, I don't think actually was done too badly. Like, yeah, kind of weird, but I, I feel like it's really funny because it's sort of like they do it really well, they do it really bad, they do it really well, they do it yeah. really bad. It's like they couldn't decide if this was a good concept or a bad concept. Right? Like, I know, but that's, <laughs> the, that's my whole thing. That's what I was saying before. Like, it's a great idea. It was just done poorly. Like, and the issue is there are sections that were done really well, and you're like, uh-huh. oh, this could have been the little froggy. I am confused about the frog. They show that frog three fucking times, and every single time they do it with like a background of this like very whimsical music, and I'm like, I love the frog. I'm like, annoyed. I don't know if it serves a narrative purpose or not, but I love the frog. I just like wish that at the end of the episode or something, we'd gotten a shot of the frog just suddenly poofing into like a person. Yeah, like. I- like, to make the frog fucking relevant somehow. I think the frog was literally just an indication that we're talking about fairy tales. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I think it has to have been. I think it was but, just, like, the symbolic meaning behind yeah. it. You know, frogs are quite often associated with fairy tales. Yeah. But, uh, I just wish I, that I, I do love the frog. Like, I just wish at the end it had been, like, the frog had, like, magically turned back into, like, a person or something. And they were just, like, finally kind of thing. Like, I feel like that would have been fun. Anyway, I just thought it was funny they showed us the same frog, like, three separate times. Uh, we do also get Dean saying that he's not kissing a frog, which, I mean, fair. <laughs> but also the implication there. Because the frog is usually the prince. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, of course, that's right off of the scene where he says to Sam, could you be any more gay? I, I was Don't about to say, that. I was about to say, to quote Dean, yeah. dude, could you be yeah. any more gay? <laughs> Oh, this episode is a fucking roller coaster. This is why I was so shocked that I just never seen it. Yeah. Because when lines like that come out, like with the the fat shaming that they do and the that particular line and a couple of other things, usually when we're rewatching, I'm like, oh, I remember what's about to happen, so I'm kind of prepared for it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm about to be disappointed in my favorite show. It's not a it's not a unusual occurrence, yeah. but like at least I have like a bit of like, oh, I remember what's about to happen. But with this episode, that took me fucking, like, straight out of left field. It was like being whacked in the face. I was like, what the fuck did he just say? Like, and I have subtitles on. And also in case I ever want to take notes of, like, the actual quotes. And so I had the subtitles, and the subtitles appeared before he said the line. So I was like, what? And then I heard him say it, and I was like, what? And also, because I I would argue that sometimes the homophobia in the show is just homophobia. Yeah. This is homophobia but it's like because it's directed at one of the brothers i would argue that this is more significant homophobia it's which is an insane sentence to say it's like character slash plot relevant homophobia yeah like sometimes it's just homophobia for the sake of homophobia like in uh tall tales the homophobic rape joke yeah just homophobia yeah or when gordon gets arrested just homophobia yeah this is Directed. more like a, a playthings. Yes. Homophobia. Yeah. Homophobia that's telling about the characters. Or something wicked. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like a it's a narrative use of homophobia. Which is for character development. This is show is insane. <laughs> <laughs> and like the thing is, I don't think it's always intentional. Which yeah. just sort of reverts it back and just plain old fucking homophobia. It's just that with other context. Unfortunately, the homophobia becomes character relevant. Yeah, exactly. And it's this kind of... And not just in a, these characters are homophobic sort of way. It's like a... It's the internalised homophobia, which is so interesting. Brings us in je ne sais quoi. It's fucking... This, yeah. They just be making choices all over the place they here. They do. They, some other choices that were made in this episode. Yeah. Wildly swinging away from that. We talked briefly before about how uh, Callie, the girl in the coma... Yeah aged significantly during yeah. her time in a coma. I would like to know. Like, I understand that she's the Snow White stand-in. Like, I do I do get that. I would like to know who has been doing this woman's makeup. Because let's, for a moment, like, she, as a child, the child actress, does, yeah. like, obviously there will be some makeup involved yeah. because it's television, but mm-hmm. she doesn't appear to be wearing makeup. Like, the makeup yeah. has been done in a way that it doesn't appear she's wearing makeup, right? That's just the point. The woman in the coma yeah. has a full fucking face. And yeah. it's very clearly a full face. Yeah. So who's been doing that? Like, at what point did she age and they were like, well, you're a woman now. Time to start painting your fucking face, even though you're unconscious. And no one will see you. can't let the people you. know we have skin. Yeah, literally. It's just like, what? Like, did a nurse just get bored on break one day and just decide... To just do some comatose girl's makeup? Like, what? 
and then continue to do it every day for however fucking many years? Like, she wouldn't have gone into hospital with a full face of makeup as an eight-year-old. So somewhere along the line, someone's decided... And I love decided... the implication, though, that that full face of makeup that as an eight-year-old she had... <laughs> she has just not been washed off in the last like <laughs> she's got like blue glitter eyeshadow and like <laughs> yeah it confused me i'm like at what point did someone decide oh yes now is the time that she should start wearing makeup insane like can a woman out in a coma, making choices can a woman in a coma be exempt from the fucking societal beauty standards like jesus christ like the devil works hard but social beauty standards work harder like fuck <laughs> Okay, I think we should move on to my PSA for the day before I forget Ooh. to do it. Yes, I forgot to come up with a guess. Well, I'm going to ask you now, what, what do you think my PSA is? And uh, it's all fair because I actually come up with predictions before you even ask this week. I had theories. Mm, so, that's true. Um, oh, okay, I've got a PSA. You sure? I you don't sound certain I, at I, all. I think, no, I think I've got one. Okay, my PSA is age-appropriate media. Don't force your adult children to, like, watch Peppa Pig. <laughs> Let them watch something else. <laughs> or in this instance, maybe upgrade them from fairy tales. Just move to YA. Like, yeah, exactly. You don't have to go... Bring them John Green. <laughs> it doesn't have to be, like, anything particularly, you know, insane. Read them The Hunger Games. Okay. Read Twilight. Keep it educational. So, okay, so it's not age-appropriate media no. then. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's a PSA for all the parents out there, though. So you are kind of correct. Cool. It's a bad idea to put kids in white clothing. Like, <laughs> you're correct. I have a personal anecdote about that. <laughs> yeah. I I was watching this episode. I'm like, but she's in white. Like, I am a 24 year old adult, and I can't keep white shit white. Why are you putting an eight year old in a white dress? Because presumably the white dress is what she was in when she was poisoned by. Yeah, the I would guess. Yeah, mother. Mm-hmm. Why? I. My mom loves to tell this story about how when I was a kid, she, like, made sure, like, she gave me breakfast, she did all the things that would possibly get me messy, she, like, changed my nappy, all these things, we were going to a wedding, Mm -hmm. and I was, like, six months old, Mm -hmm. and she was like, okay, so she did all the things to make sure that I, like, I'd had a bath and all that stuff, I couldn't make anything messy, right? You were not gaining access to anything that could possibly stain the white dress. And she put me in the white dress, which I think had been a gift from a family member so she was like she wanted me to wear it to the like wedding because mm. it's like a special occasion mm. and like family member would be like oh like thank you for like whatever yeah. anyway so she put me in this dress and she got me into the wedding but unfortunately my mother had fed me prunes and I threw them up all over the white dress now prunes are notoriously brown <laughs> or was it plums but like I mean prunes are just dried plums but like the point yeah. being I threw up like red brown all over this pure white dress. Apparently it didn't come out. <laughs> so I'm like, Mom, why would you... Like, you should have fed me mashed potatoes, honestly. <laughs> like, why on earth you put me in a white dress after feeding me blood red fruit? Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, It's great in the children's the bottle. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you do, the child will find a way to ruin the white clothing. Yeah. Look, it could have been worse. The bride could have been holding me. Yeah. But no, just <laughs> At least watch- I ruined my white dress. Just watching this eight-year-old in the white dress, and I understand, like, it's a costuming choice and their significance. Snow White, but, but like, what? anxiety. <laughs> and also, Snow White wasn't an eight-year-old when she was poisoned. No, she was 18, wasn't she? Yeah, she was, like, late teens. Mm. Like, somewhere between 16 and 20. Yeah. Like, generally speaking. Like... Yeah, I, I think... Gotta be honest with you. I grew up on the knockoff versions of, like, Disney movies. Yeah. Like, I didn't watch, like, the actual Snow White. I watched this knockoff version of Snow White, and it was... It's a vibe. I can still see it in my mind's eye. There was, like, a... The Magic Mirror was, like, a jazz singer, and at the end of the movie, he, like, is floating down a river, and they, like, fish him out or something. I can't remember, but... Okay. <laughs> so, your knockoff version of Snow White was very different to my knockoff version of Snow White. Mm-hmm. It was a movie and a half, and I loved it as a kid. Yes, and so like, did I. There were so many batshit things, I don't know what to choose as an example of how batshit it was. <laughs> it was a vibe. It was a vibe and half. Let me see if I can Google it. Let's see if I can... Let's compare childhood versions of Snow White. This is the one I had. Snow White and the Magic Mirror, Classics for Children. It was from 1994. Okay, so you had an animated version. Mine was yeah. live action. Oh, live yeah. action. Yeah, so obviously I did watch... See, he's a jazz singer. 
If anyone wants to Google Snow White and the Magic Mirror, uh, the 1994 animated film, that's what I grew up on. It got 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb. (laughs) Oh, yeah, this is the one. I found it. They certainly made choices. Let's just say it's only rated 5.8 stars out of 10 on IMDb. (laughs) So it's worse than mine. This is the summary. Snow White's mother dies during childbirth, leaving Baby Snow and Father John for dead on an icy field, who then receives a visit from one, from one of Satan's representatives, granting him three wishes. Ooh, that's an interesting twist. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I do want to mention, I know we've I said we already dealt with this scene, like the end scene with Sam and the Crossroads demon. Mm-hmm. The demons hate Ruby, and I yeah. kind of love that for her. Yeah. I, I actually, I'm glad that you mentioned this, because I forgot, I was going to ask you, so you, uh, I asked you about like what you're thinking with Ruby. Yeah. Now knowing that the demons kind of fucking hate her, does that change your perspective of Ruby at all? Or are you still going down the same like thoughts? She of her? still kind of feels like a Meg knockoff. But yeah. again, as I said earlier, I feel like as I learn more about the character, I'm gonna like her more. Okay. Like it just it she feels very Meg esque. Yeah. And no, no, that's cool. It's sort of like I'm like I've already got Meg. Why do I need another one? Yeah, you're so like, like you're always like I'm a Meg stand for life. So try why are you trying to sell me Meg two yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, but it's not even like Meg two point because it's like a worse version. It's like the Meg iPhones when <laughs> they remove the head from Jack. It's like you're just going backwards now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, all right. So that didn't really change your perspective. You just thought it was like interesting. That I thought it was like, really interesting that yeah. they specifically were like, oh, fucking typical Ruby. Like, yeah. I, I love that immediately. Like, oh, well, the, who the fuck else would it be? Like, it must be Ruby. No one else is that fucking annoying. Like, actually, I also wanted to mention about the Crossroads Demon. She has like a line. Where, like, Sam's like, I'm going to kill you. And she's like, oh, and we were having such a nice conversation. It's like, you weren't. You literally. You, you literally, you, you arrived. And then you were like, hello, Sam. Like, your brother's been to visit me, blah, blah, blah. Had her little, like, minor monologue thing. And then Sam's like, get ready to die, bitch. And she's like, oh, but we were having such a nice conversation. It's like, do you think when they. The first thing he said to you was, I'm going to kill you. Do you think when they <laughs> cast these, uh. Attractive women in little black cocktail dresses. The first thing they ask is like, "How's your monologue?" Yeah, like, <laughs> they like walk in and he hears like two dozen lines vaguely about how your brother's an idiot. Not you sick of him? Like, yeah, I would be really interested to know the like ratio of male to female deaths. Yeah, keeping track of the deaths is like one thing. Yeah, but I would be really interested to see how many women die over men die. Or at least female presenting. Versus, yes, yeah, because yeah, like with yeah. demons, it's a whole, and angels. Yeah, as like we discussed we earlier, but yeah, but I would be interested. Can I get some statistics on that? Yeah, literally, I think it would be really interesting to like see if it's actually like relatively similar, or if yeah. there is like a significant discrepancy. Yeah. Like if you ended up with like a p value of like I don't know triple zero one or something. Like <laughs> I think it would be interesting to see. Anyway, I think that was my last thing. Did you have anything else you wanted to bring up? No, I'm done being petty for now. Okay, cool. So in that case, that brings us to the end of our episode. Jamie, how would you rate, out of five, this week's episode, Bedtime Stories? I am going to give it a two and a half out of five. I thought you might, yeah. Pretty average, plotline wise, but it just suffered from a whole bunch of issues that it didn't have to suffer from. Yeah. Like, I was interested to see who wrote it. I think it was Catherine Humphreys, which... The name does ring a bell. She does have another episode coming up this season, but it's uh, with her and Sarah Gamble. I don't know if that will significantly change the writing. She also did... See, she did Born Under a Bad Sign, but she also did uh, The Usual Suspects. So it's interesting that this episode sort of feels like it falls short. Um, But then again, I also thought The Usual Suspects fell a little short as well. Anywho, the next episode is titled Red Sky at Morning. Do you have any... Thoughts, feelings, opinions, hopes, dreams. Red sky at morning. Yes. Is that spelled like morning, like I'm mourning a loss? Or morning is no, in, in, in the time the, of the day? The sun is rising. Okay. At sunrise. Yeah. Obviously, the sky changes colour. So maybe people are getting murdered in horrific and bloody ways at sunrise. So okay. killings connected to the specific time of day. Okay. Okay, so yeah, that just about does it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you wanted to chat with us more about the episode or anything else, you can always find us on our socials. You can hit Jamie up on Twitter at DriverPicksPod. I feel like it would be great if we could compile a list of all of the various Snow White films that we've all grown up with. So hit Jamie up with any of your... Well, she had live action. So what's like your favourite live action version of Snow White? Like, is it old? Is it recent? Like, is it Disney? Is it not? 
whatever it was that like is your OG. Yeah. But if you want to talk to Beth, you can find her on our Tumblr at Drive Fix the Podcast and send her your favorite animated Snow White movies. Ooh. Did you grow up with the OG Disney? Did you get the cheap knockoff version? Did you have Snow White in the Magic Mirror from the year 1994 like I did? <laughs> a masterpiece. <laughs> I kind of want to rewatch it. <laughs> You're going to do that after Let's a have a movie it. off. That sounds yeah. fun. Excellent. Okay. Maybe one day we can have like a live stream movie. Like, and we'll, we'll just watch, watch them back to back. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Anyway, so that just about does it. We would love to hear from you about your favorite Snow White films, I guess. Yeah. Hope to have you back next week for episode six, Red Sky at Morning. Bye. Bye.